Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Rand Show on AM 770 KTTH, streaming live on the KTTH smartphone app. The kids are stealing cars in record numbers here in Washington State. Who is to blame? The answer is what's trending. What's trending? On the road. We obviously know that car theft has been on the rise here in Washington State over the course of the last few years. And we know exactly who's to blame. Democrats, Democrats, Democrats. Their criminal justice reforms very clearly led to the increase in stolen vehicles. When you tell criminals that they will not be chased if they steal a car, they will steal a car. It's really that simple. It's not complicated in the least. And the numbers, the surge, clearly are connected because they're all happening at the same time. They passed a law, the numbers shot up. Looking just in Tacoma, Tacoma PD said as of last week, they've seen a 21% increase in vehicle theft since last year. Why is that of note? Last year was a record high. Bellingham officials have called the surge staggering. Whether we're talking about Seattle or Spokane, Vancouver or Vashon Island. I don't know about Vashon, but I couldn't think of another V city. We are seeing a surge in car theft. And Pierce County Sheriff spokesperson Darren Moss, speaking with King 5, says, I, I don't know who doesn't realize what's going on. I th- it's kind of pretty clear, yeah. In 2022, it really started to take off. In 2021, in July, the law changed. And by September, we fought, saw our first spike in auto thefts. Um, throughout the rest of 2021 and into 2022, it just started increasing. Now, the Puget Sound Auto Theft Task Force, they're out with a new report or a new study or statement, I guess, because they've been looking at the numbers. And it's not always easy to track specific stats down when it comes to the ages of the suspects. They're saying... The majority of the suspects for stolen vehicles, the majority are teenagers. Think about that for a second. The majority at a time where we're seeing record high numbers of cars being stolen, and some of them are as young as 12 years old. Every single law enforcement official will tell you exactly the same thing. They're seeing more kids committing crimes. And by the way, it's not even just stealing cars. They're getting violent as well. Again, here's Darren Moss. Fortunately, these are younger kids, 14, 15, 16 years old that we're catching. Um, They're going to find out the hard way that this is not a game. They're going to be charged as adults in a lot of these cases when they're shooting people, they're committing murders, or they're getting themselves killed as well. In Spokane on Monday, there was a 14-year-old kid who's accused of stealing a Hyundai Sonata. And he was caught all thanks to an owner who noticed the trend of stolen vehicles and said, you know what I will do? I will put a tracker in my vehicle just in case. Like one of those air tag devices. And so around eight o'clock in the morning on Monday, After the owner of the car reported in real time where the car was, 
officers were able to spot it. They found him. They found the 14-year-old, who, of course, immediately fled from police on foot, they say. He left the car in gear, which meant it ended up rolling and striking a Spokane Police Department patrol vehicle. But they were eventually able to arrest the kid. They found him hiding in tall grass next to a home. Now, he lied about his identity, but they figured it out. He was booked into Spokane County Jail. He faces now multiple charges, including possession of a stolen car, hit and run, obstructing law enforcement, and third-degree theft. They do point out in this story he also stole the victim's sunglasses. That one, I, you know. Devastating. Been there. Now, that teen has since been released. He was released very shortly after from juvenile detention because we do not punish teens, which is precisely why he likely stole the car allegedly in the first place. Because we do not take these crimes seriously. And speaking with our sister station, Cairo News Radio, Darren Moss said kids are getting the message that they don't suffer any consequences if they're caught, which, of course, tempts them to commit more crimes. And then ultimately, they commit one crime too many, and it doesn't end well. They're getting locked up as as an adult because they committed a very serious felony now, or they're getting shot and killed. All of what's been going on has consequences. We told you about the Maple Valley situation yesterday of the teens stealing a car, allegedly. We had this morning in Seattle, five teenagers in a stolen car. They got into a crash, totaling the car. It actually caught on fire. And all of this started around 6 a.m. Cairo 7 is reporting that these teens in a stolen Kia approached a man at a bus stop. This was out in West Seattle. And they took his backpack. They drove off. This according to SPD. So it gets reported. SPD hears about it. They spot this particular Kia in the Soto neighborhood of Seattle. It apparently sped off. It ends up crashing into another car. It catches fire. And again, it's a total loss. No loss of life, though. Four of the five teenagers were arrested. The fifth got away. Now, this is going to get worse and worse and worse. And they got lucky here that these kids didn't die. And I know some people will say, well, if they die, they die. They shouldn't steal in the first place, which as much as I understand what you're saying, depending on their ages in particular, like these are kids who you would think can get help, can be saved. It would have to be in juvenile detention, most likely. But we we shouldn't be willing so frivolously to, to throw away their lives. We just have to give them the opportunity to be saved. And when there are no consequences, they never really have to face an opportunity to be saved. Right now, I think the message being sent is that, hey, if you're 14, 15, 16, they're not going to lock you up. So do whatever you need to do. I think that our criminals who are adults know this, too, and they would, Mm -hmm. instead of them committing a crime, have a kid go do the same thing. He's not going to get punished as severely. It's all because of certain changes in the law. Good news is we can change those laws back to the way they were. The bad news is it's going to take a lot of effort, and I don't know how many people are willing to put in that effort. I hope it's going to end up being a lot of people. 
finally saying enough is enough. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending? LGBTQIAADFHZ plus plus. Canada is virtue signaling via an advisory issued by Global Affairs Canada. They're trying to throw some shade at the U.S. I think the kids still say that. Do the kids still say that? Uh, yeah, they say that. What's What's the cool hip way to say what I just said? Yeah, how you said it. Okay. You're cool and hip. Now, of course, Democrats are looking to help out in this particular case because this advisory, which is for 2SLGBTQI plus travelers, 2S, they, they're doing that two-spirit. I don't know why that one goes first. I'm assuming they put lesbian in front of gay because gay was always first, and that's for men. And they're like, we're feminists. So we're going to put L first, but not before two-spirit. They say in this alert that they should take safety precautions when coming into the United States because we have some laws that have passed that they don't like. It says 2SLGBTQI plus travelers. Some states have enacted laws and policies that may affect 2SLGBTQI plus persons. Check relevant state and local laws. And, you know, the first time when I saw this story, I think MSNBC, uh, I saw it first there. I, I said, okay, great. Yeah, if you are 2SLGBTQI+, and frankly, if you're not even on that letter spectrum, if you're looking to come into this country to get your minor child a sex change operation, to permanently alter their bodies or their hormones, yeah, you're going to face resistance and you shouldn't come here. I mean, unless you go to Washington, Oregon, California, New York. But other than those states, and also Colorado, and I think Massachusetts as well, we might as well throw that up there. And I'm pretty sure Vermont and Maine as well. So stay out of the red states that actually care about protecting kids. If you're coming here for that purpose, don't. Because pretty much that's the only laws that have passed that impact people and their minors. Now, they get into some specifics, I think, that are incredibly disingenuous. They talk about how uh, drag has been, quote, unquote, banned. No, it hasn't. (laughs) Drag has not been banned. Now, if you're looking to come here and go into states and perform drag in inappropriate ways in front of minors, again, okay, fair enough. Stay out. Don't come to this country. Again, unless you're going to Washington, Oregon, California, New York, Colorado, Vermont, Maine, Massachusetts. Maybe sometimes in Nevada, but they're kind of iffy. Just stay out. I'm okay with that. The, the, the goal of these people to, to put out a statement like this, there are more freedoms in the United States than in Canada. Bar none. Period. End of story. End of story. You know where folks struggle to come into this country? They go through the journey. They cross illegally across the border. You know where they go? Here. They don't go to Canada. And we're actively saying, don't come here. And they're still coming here. They're not going to Canada. It was like, oh, what are you talking about? Come on over. We're very friendly. Here's our poutine. Poutine's gross. Poutine, you shut up. You shut up. It's all right. No, you shut up. It's gross. Poutine is disgusting. Don't you dare defend Canada in this segment. I want to at least hear your justification on that. They're gross. It tastes bad. That's why. It's disgusting. Cheese curds? It doesn't even sound appetizing. Other than that, I find it delicious. (laughs) Cheese curds with gravy. 
That should be the advisory. Don't go into Canada because they're going to offend your taste buds with this garbage. What's the Canadian cuisine? You think poutine. You're proud of that? And you have the audacity to shame any state in this country for its laws that, by the way, are protecting children. They want you to pretend otherwise. And Democrats in this country love to push that as well. This isn't about protecting kids. It's about attacking LGBTQIA2S++ smiley face emoji community. That's what they want you to believe. It is propaganda. And it's propaganda in service of positions that harm kids. This is about children. If you're an adult and you want to go through surgical interventions tied to a gender identity of yours, go for it. If you think that that's what's right and you're doing it with doctors, okay, I can't stop you. I have no interest in stopping you. I would caution you. I would hope you would not make the wrong choice, but you get to make that mistake. We're not going to do that to children who are being taken advantage of. I was on Hannity last night. We were talking about this very issue, and I made a point that I've made on this show before, which is especially in the context of teachers, but just thinking about it in this way. There are adults who are pretty radical on the topic of gender identity. Some of them, I think they think they're doing it for the health and well-being of the child. But all they're doing is taking a kid who maybe is having some questions about their sexuality, not their gender. And they're being taken advantage of in that vulnerable, confusing moment where there's an active push to keep parents completely out of it. And have other adults who are not going to be there for that kid for the rest of their lives push them into making a certain decision. I imagine right now, particularly for gay kids, and you are born gay, they're probably more confused about gender issues when they start to realize their sexuality, their sexual orientation, because of all this other stuff that's been pushed upon them and the influence that's being pushed upon them. Being convinced that you should say they, them is your pronoun until we figure out what gender you really are because you were just assigned a gender at birth. No, they weren't. Let's just be clear about the danger of taking vulnerable kids and putting ideas in their heads and then pushing all the parents away. It's going to end up hurting them. The parents who love them most, they'll be there for the kid when they're broken. Not the progressive adult who wants to use these kids as human props to make a point about gender identity. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending? Crime. The Thurston County Sheriff has a simple message to some of the car thieves who think they'll be able to get away with driving through a storefront before just leaving nonchalantly knowing that police won't chase you. Oh, no, he's going to chase you. Joining me on the line is Thurston County Sheriff Derek Sanders. Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So you made this new announcement on your policy. Take us through what it will be, because normally uh, the expectation is, because of state law, no pursuits in the case I just mentioned. Yeah, so this actually stems back to um, before I got elected. Right before I got elected, the city of Olympia took a burglary over at a marijuana store. Someone just drives through, demolishes the storefront. They hop out, leave the totaled stolen car behind, hop into a different stolen car and flee. Olympia gets behind the car. They try to pull it over. It flees under the Berg second statute, not a pursuable offense. I also locate the vehicle heading into Pierce County because, um, of course, all of these cars are coming from up north. Mm-hmm. And um, I get close enough to get the plate on it. 
comes back stolen, leads exhausted, I terminate, vehicle drives off, never to be seen again. Um, And that really frustrated me. I remember back then, and I remember going back to the department and sitting there and thinking to myself as I'm typing this report up, you know, the report that basically is a Mm non-capture. And I'm like, we could pursue this under the deadly weapon statute for the burglary first degree. I mean, I'm looking at the footage from Olympia that was on the news the next day, and it looks like a bomb goes off in this in this business. And um, it kind of caught my attention, but honestly, I forgot about it a little bit as I took on other duties as a sheriff. And then having these two burglaries um, yesterday reminded me that we needed – so we had already submitted a legal opinion request from the prosecutor – we hadn't really heard back, but verbally they basically told us, yeah, we think that there could be something here. Um, for a blanket statement, it doesn't work. But when you articulate the facts and circumstances of each circumstance, um, they're like, we definitely see how you could get to a point where this could be a deadly weapon and it would fit the Berg 1 statute. So um, yesterday we basically – I sat with my executive staff. We discussed it. Um, we, I looked – I read the Berg 1 statute over and over again, <laughs> and I'm like, I, I feel like this fits. I feel like it fits. I feel like – um, everything we know about Berg One and how they're charged and how people don't have to be in the business for it to be a Berg One. If you use a deadly weapon to enter a business, it's still a Berg One, even if there's no one in it. So um, with all those things in mind, we went ahead and said, essentially, it's no policy change. It's just kind of a statement to our employees and our and our citizens that if an employee does decide to engage in a Berg One pursuit based on good, reasonable suspicion that this was used as a deadly weapon to enter the, uh, to enter the building, that we would support you. Yeah, and as I said in the last hour, let's just for the sake of argument say, legally speaking, this doesn't fly, and it comes after you've made an arrest, and or maybe hopefully uh, you won't have to make any arrests due to this policy, but let's just live in uh, Washington State for a moment. It's going to happen. You make an arrest. It goes in front of a judge and says, no, you can't do this. Well, between then and the ruling, you will have sent a very clear message that you're still going to chase. So it doesn't matter at the end of the day if maybe a few people don't get prosecuted. You're sending the cultural message of we're going to catch you and you shouldn't take that risk. It's definitely a dangerous business engaging in police pursuits. I'm going to be the first person to say that police pursuits are dangerous. And the person they're most dangerous for is the person who's running from us. Statistically speaking, that's the person who's going to be seriously injured or killed. So, I mean, I would highly recommend not running from the police. But the other thing to take into consideration, right, is that all of the work that we do in law enforcement is based off of preceding case law, right? Yep. And and those those case law for from the law enforcement perspective can be good or bad. But my whole thing is that we have to, I think, take some calculated risk. And for me, these these crimes are abhorrent. These are the types of crimes that you would take a risk on, um, that we would have to take a risk in court and potentially maybe challenge this all the way up to the Supreme mm-hmm. Court um, or push for the legislator to make burglary second a pursuable offense again or push for the legislator to consider these types of burglaries deadly uh, deadly weapons when they're using the cars like this. And so I'm hoping more anything, more than anything, it, it continues to spark a conversation that we have to do something about these specific crimes because they are devastating our yep. communities. They are devastating. This is the kind of stuff that makes small business want to never come back mm-hmm. to, your, to your community. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I fear that because of who's in charge right now in Olympia, they might make it even more clear that this is not something that can be uh, pursued. But until that happens, if that does happen, hopefully not, I, I think this is a great policy. I hope that it inspires other sheriffs around Washington state to do exactly the same thing. Are you aware of any other 
department doing something similar? No, I'm not. So you can be the uh, the trailblazer in all of this because it, it's we're clearly seeing a surge in this very specific crime. It's not always pot shops, but pot shops have been targeted in a really significant way, and it's very clearly yeah. tied to the pursuit ban. Uh, I know Democrats want to pretend otherwise. It's very clearly tied to that. So I'm glad you're doing this. At, at the same time, you recently had a case in which you did, in fact, pursue. It turned out not to be a DUI as suspected. It was a stolen car driven by allegedly by an 18-year-old kid who fled. You end up arresting him. A judge says, yeah, we're going to release this guy on his own personal recognizance. You were pretty ticked off. And then, of course, we had the story yesterday we spoke about. Tonino has a father who's accused of raping his daughter from the ages of nine to 14 years old and instead of a hefty bail gets ten thousand dollars which means he only had to put up a thousand and he ends up walking how much of what we're dealing with is not just about laws in olympia or lawmakers in olympia but judges well i i had a, a pretty good conversation with a number of our judges today and and I guess where I'm getting to be stuck at is they're basically telling me these are rules that they have to follow and that's it, period. And I guess for me, like I try to present everything as a problem solver, right? So I guess my question to them was like, well, how do we change the rules then? Because yeah. essentially under their current rules, people can commit dozens of property crimes and the reoffense of property crimes is not a reason to give bail in Washington state according to the rules that, that are that basically the courts create. And so I'm like, okay, so how do we change that? And, and honestly, some of the judges were like, we're also kind of interested in figuring out how to change that, right? Getting it to a point where a judge can issue a hold on someone because of how many property crimes they're committing. At this point, according to the rules that they're explaining to me, it doesn't allow them to do that. So well, I, I guess from my perspective, I don't see those as roadblocks. I'm like, okay, well, how do we get to the next level then? Yeah. Is it legislative? Is it, is it a constitutional issue? Is it a court rule? And so I'm trying to narrow down exactly where the problem is coming from, because what I won't accept is just that that's the way it is and deal with it. Yeah, you're looking at this as an opportunity. Right. We don't like something. We can change it. That's the whole point of our democracy. Well, and (laughs) here's the deal. As much as they want to tell you that it's about court rules, maybe in certain circumstances under certain cases, but the rule that's generally cited to justify either low or no bail also gives an exception for when the court believes that we don't think the person's going to come back, won't appear at their next hearing, or, and this is the big one, there is shown a likely danger that the accused will commit a violent crime or will seek to intimidate witnesses. That's pretty open-ended, and I would argue that if you're someone who goes on a high-speed chase and then flees, you pose a risk. I would certainly agree. <laughs> there you go. Well, I wish you the best of luck. I, I, I truly hope that this catches on, and I'm glad you're the one who brought this forward. I, I think you're one of the handful of sheriffs. I do think we have a lot of really strong sheriffs in Washington state because with the exception of King County, you don't have to deal with some politician determining your policy, and, and you come up with good policy, policy that I think is going to make everyone safe. Thurston County Sheriff Derek Sanders, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. You're listening to The Jason Rand Show. When we come back, it's time for The Big Local.
Mercer Island, Des Moines. This is the Big Local on the Jason Ranch Show. Shoreline, Woodenville, Burien. Stories about you, not about Seattle. Hey, look at that. 4.30 on a weekday afternoon. That means it's time for the Big Local. Brought to you by Alpine Specialty Services. Online at alpineclean.com. This is the part of the show where we completely ignore stories coming out of Seattle and instead focus all of our attention on the communities you live in and care about most. We start in Linwood. We made reference to this story in the first hour. A stolen truck was used to break through the storefront of a market there. Kind of like the Thurston County Sheriff Derek Sanders issue that he's been having. In this case, they stole an ATM that had no more than $600 in it. But of course, in the process, they committed about $75,000 worth of property damage. Yeah. Now, it was all over in seconds. They just drove right through. And they went in like some 15 feet, they say. And I posted the video on my Twitter feed and my Facebook page. Just text the keyword rants, R-A-N-T-Z, to 1-800-465-8770, and I'll send you a link. Two people get out of the car. One stayed in the car. Minutes later, the pair come out with an ATM. Rob Ryder is a security analyst. He spoke with Como TV to offer something here that doesn't really make any sense whatsoever. The gains are higher, but the difficulties are higher. And all the machines have trackers in them. All the machines have protections in them. And yet they're still being stolen. And it doesn't actually seem like it's all that difficult for them to steal. Just throwing that out there, uh, I know you're a security analyst. I'm sure you're very good at your job and you just fail to show that to the Como folks. But this idea, well, you know, it's really hard for people to know it's not. It's really easy to steal ATMs. And when you are in a city that maybe doesn't have the staffing that it needs to have for police, there's a higher chance that it'll take even longer for police to show up. So you have a little bit more extra time, a little more time to load the ATM into the truck and then just drive away. And it's not like there's instant tracking of that thing. The cops don't just go to atmfinder.com. Hey, where's the stolen ATM? It's not how it works. Now, Noah is an employee at this Linwood Market. It's a very quiet uh, neighborhood, so I'm very surprised this happened. Why would you be surprised that it's happening? Because it's a quiet neighborhood, so... With all due respect to Noah, I'm sure he's a great guy. Have you not been paying attention to what's been going on? There were moments where people would text me. This was years ago. I would get texts from people saying, I moved to Linwood. I got out of Seattle because it's just nuts there. I can't take it anymore. I moved to Linwood. I moved to Port Orchard. I moved to Yelm. And now we hear from folks who say... Oh, it's happening here. It's happening in my neck of the woods. I thought living in Edmonds, I would be fine. I thought living in Ferndale, I'd be fine. Nope. The nuttiness has spread. That's what happens. This isn't a what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas situation scenario. What happens in Seattle spreads. Same thing. What happens in L.A. and San Francisco spreads. What happens in Manhattan and Chicago, Atlanta, D.C. It all spreads. 
because these are results of policies that create cultures. And we have a culture of lawlessness. And as I've said many, many, many times, and I'll continue to say it, the good news is that we can change policy. It's just not very easy. Meanwhile, in Lake Stevens, and before I do this story, can we do a quick check to make sure that none of the bosses are anywhere in earshot? Uh, yeah, no, they're not. So Jason's not here? Who? Uh, no. Okay. Um, if you're looking to get your talentless kids some self-esteem or to make your moderately talented kid look like a Tony Award winner, sign them up for Hope Theater Group in Lake Stevens. Now, I say this with a little bit of knowing humor. This is a drama camp where no one is ever rejected. Now, that's the pitch. Let's be honest. The one who has the least amount of talent will be uh, singing stagehand chair number 12 or unnamed restaurant patron. Uh, that, that's what they're going to be. Um, so you, you, I think you really would love to be behind the scenes, right? No, I want to I play a character. But, but I, I think you, you have the look. And the performance chops of someone who would be very good, you know, pulling the curtains up. So I'm going to be part of me, the the part that lacks a, a heart and soul. Looks at anything in which you just automatically go through, you automatically get some role or you're automatically making a team or whatever it happens to be. The soulless part of me says, we're failing these kids. The little part of me that does have a heart says, hey, you know what? It's good. They're being accepted. It, it feels good to belong. Not that I would know, but it feels good to belong. It gives them something to do. A kid who maybe comes from a broken home. They say, hey, you can do this. Now, this particular drama camp, God bless them. I tease, but I like them is held at Holy Cross Lutheran Church. They're currently doing Beauty and the Beast Jr. I don't know what I mean. Okay. It, Beauty and the Beast, but it, it they're kids. That's it? I think that's the point. Is that literally it? I believe so. Do they still have the making out with the Beast? Because that's just not appropriate. Mm. They say about a quarter of the kids had never performed in a show before. We, we know. We, we could tell. I'm kidding. What did you go see Beauty and the Beast Jr. in Lake I Stevens? Did. It was it was a hoot. I'll be honest. I thought I was Jason watching Rant Cinderella. Said it was a hoot. I, I can see the reviews <laughs> being published now. It was a hoot. So it, it's actually created by Pastor Bill Wales or Wallace. It costs a hundred dollars to join, but he says I'm putting up a lot of my own money. This barely covers any of this. So again, the nice part of me. It's great for, for kids to belong. Maybe they can develop. The younger they are, I suppose I don't. It's T-ball, right? Uh, you know, fine. But also then the cynical part of me says you're sending a bad message about life, which is filled with rejection and disappointment, filled with questionable decisions, nepotism. And before you know it, you're 41 and single. You hate everyone. You resent people who make small talk with you when all you want to do is be alone. You're just trying to walk to the bathroom or kitchen for coffee. That's just life. And I think maybe we would do better. I'm not talking about myself. 
maybe. Are we you would sure? Do, I'm certain. I'm, well, no, I am. No, I'm 28 on Tinder. Maybe we would do these kids a service by being just a slightly more honest. Because how about this? And this I, I do mean legitimately. I've been joking up until this point for any of the bosses who are listening. When you get rejected, there's two ways that most people respond, right? A healthy or an unhealthy way. The unhealthy way being I'm upset. I blame everybody else for for my failure. And you just give up, right? And sometimes you should give up, right? It kind of depends on the, the context. Uh, so you, encouraging. But, but you know, let's be honest. Sometimes you should give up on stuff. If you have an unrealistic goal, it, it just let's reevaluate. Let's revise it. Let's maybe tinker with it a little bit. Give up on this one thing. Or the other place you can go is I'm going to work a little bit harder. I'm going to practice a little bit more. I'm going to study harder. I'm going to spend more of my free time working on whatever it is that was the reason behind me not getting picked for, whether it's drama or baseball team, whatever it happens to be. And I do think there is value in that, right? I mean, if someone says... You didn't make the team or you didn't make this play. Not because you're awful. You're very close to where you need to be. You just need, you need to do, just do a little bit more. Well, that's good feedback. I'd rather learn that now, put in the extra work, and then make the team or get on the, the stage or, again, whatever it happens to be. I think that there's value to that. And when you automatically say, oh, we're going to let everyone participate. Yeah, it feels good. And again, I'm not talking about like a seven-year-old, but it you know, feels good and fine. But you are depriving people of the ability to get better at something and to want something and to work towards that goal. Also, I don't like kids. Spokane City Council put the brakes on a regional homelessness authority, calling it unrealistic. See, they said, we got to give up on this. It's never going to work. Kid, you're never going to be the beast. You look like, well, I'm kidding. The spokesman review says the regional authority has been envisioned as a way for politically divided jurisdictions in the area to come together and coordinate homeless services, eliminating inefficiencies and theoretically removing politics from policy decisions. But a number of service providers, city staff and several city council members have expressed growing concern with the coalition's proposed structure and what they believe has been a lack of specifics on how the organization would operate. Some have raised concerns about a new about how a new regional organization would include service providers and the formerly homeless, while some oppose the emphasis placed on criminal detention as part of the response to homelessness. <laughs> I'll, I'll just put this out there. Uh, skip the regional homelessness authority. It's a horrible idea. It will not work. If you're Spokane, you will get the vast majority of the attention. Everyone else in Spokane County will mostly be ignored, but you'll still be putting a lot of money into the authority, which will be rife with politics. You're not getting politics out of this. You ensure that it will be even more political and more people disagreeing with one another. Instead of as a city where you know your own people, you know your own strengths and weaknesses, you know the homelessness population, you would be better served attacking the issue yourself. The second that someone tells you they're concerned that there might be an emphasis placed on criminal detention of homeless people who are breaking the law, you should want nothing to do with them. The folks who say, what are we going to do with the formerly homeless? 
Shouldn't we be putting them in charge of of really big budgets, even though they have no experience whatsoever as it comes to this? And, of course, they failed at some point ending up homeless. Yeah, let's give them a, a budget of $20 million. Does that work anywhere? Has that ever worked? It doesn't. Do the work yourself. Spokane should do the work itself. And every other city should as well. That makes more sense. And then finally, real quickly, because I feel bad that I made fun of kids. But I mean, if you're not talented, you're not talented. I'm not going to lie to your face. Let's end on a, on a, I mean, it is kind of still a sad story, but at least it gives you a little bit of hope. Deborah LaRoque was the sole survivor of a fire in Renton. And that's the bad part, that she had to suffer through this fire. She she lost a friend. She lost her cats. But the community is coming together and raising awareness and funds that she's going to need to rebuild and get better. When they pulled her out of the window, she had inhaled so much smoke. Um, her mouth was black. Her body was covered in soot. Now, things are still serious. At least as of yesterday, she was listed as still on a ventilator in the burn unit. But that woman you just heard, her name is Lori. She's a friend. She spoke with Fox 13 News. And she set up a GoFundMe page. I'm asking for anybody who has it in their hearts to help a stranger out and donate just five bucks, even a dollar, right, to help her rebuild. Because it's a matter of just lifting her up and um, getting her everything that she needs. Not, you know, not only physically, but mentally and emotionally, making sure that all the pieces are there for her moving forward. I mean, you can do a little bit better than a dollar. But her point is well received. I am on her page right now, her GoFundMe. The goal was $25,000, and she's already at $28,000, over $28,000. That should make you feel good. People coming together for, in this case, 180 donations. Uh, 167 of them are probably from complete strangers who maybe don't even live in Renton, but they felt moved to donate to this cause. So kudos to Lori for being a good friend, and we wish uh, Deborah a, a speedy recovery. If you want to look up her GoFundMe page, it's listed as Renton Tragic House Fire. 1-800-465-8770 for your text messages. You pick the story we discuss next. Story number one, OJ appears to endorse a political candidate for president. You want that endorsement? Who is getting that one? Or story number two, Will Ferrell closes out the summer of raunchy comedies because the genre has bounced back after a woke backlash. Which story do we discuss? 1-800-465-8770. You pick the topic on the Jason Rand Show. Indeed you do. And you want to, depending on your perspective, celebrate or commiserate. The fact that everyone's favorite lovable killer, O.J. Simpson, is back in the news, indicating pretty strongly who he supports for president. (laughs) Poor Vivek Ramaswamy. He's just sitting there feeling pretty good about where his campaign is headed. Sure, there have been some bumps in the road, only to then be virtually endorsed by O.J. Simpson, who posted a video on X. If he um, got himself um, an experienced person to run with him, an experienced person, I would say, like Nikki Haley, somebody that knows foreign affairs, <laughs> this guy would have a chance. I, mean, I think this guy really would have a chance. I think he gets in trouble when he um, 
seem to want to try to placate some other politicians in his party. I'm just saying. No, I appreciate that. That's astute analysis of uh, politics. The O.J. Simpson endorsement, the coveted O.J. Simpson endorsement. I'm just waiting for Aaron Hernandez. Tell us who you're for. Phil Spector, did you leave before you, you died? Did you leave a video telling us where you're headed? Are you kind of a Trump person? Charles Manson, please explain. Who else? Oscar Pistorius, tell us. I can't remember how many of these people are dead and if they were accidental deaths. Aaron Hernandez is not alive. He killed himself. Right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Phil Spector, I can't remember how he died. I know he's dead. Do you even know who that is? No. Oh, my God. He's before my time, and I know what ha- Never mind. So that makes it even less likely that I'm going to know who that is. No, it means it's such a big enough name you're supposed to know. Don King, how about that? Okay. And he never, I don't think he ever saw I laughed that. when you said Oscar Pistorius. That was good. That was a I good can't point. even remember what he was accused of doing. Uh, He shot his girlfriend, like, through a door or something. Did he? Okay. I yeah. don't remember that he one. He didn't have his fake legs on. And he got scared, is what they said. Oh, my God. So uh, I don't know if, as a campaign, what you're supposed to do with this. Uh, I mean, obviously, unless you ask for an endorsement, you can't stop someone from endorsing. But you might find yourself in a tricky position where you want to make sure that you reject it. But by rejecting it, you might call attention to it. Because I don't know how many people realized O.J. Simpson continues to post these types of videos on his ex account. So I just kind of feel bad. It's not Vivek's fault. Now, here's a question. Here's a question. Think of whomever it is to you, a like the most evil person that you can think of. And for everyone, it's going to be a little bit different. I'll be Max's choice. If that person came out and endorsed the candidate you like, sure, you could just easily were just like, who cares? But does it get you to question the person you support just a little bit to learn that, insert the name of the person you despise and, and think is evil, or even you think is stupid, whatever it happens to be, that I wouldn't be on that list. Would you question yourself just a little bit? Just a little tiny yeah, definitely bit. Definitely a tad bit, yeah. Right, you have I mean, to. If you actually thought, you know, supported that person with some conviction and hated the other person with some conviction. Yeah, well, who's uh, the white supremacist? Uh, Richard Spence? Whatever that guy's name is. If he comes out, and, and just let's live in a world in which he's being honest. I support, he wouldn't support Vivek. Uh, I support Chris Christie. Or no, Mike Pence is whiter. I support Mike Pence. And let's just say you were a Mike Pence supporter. I feel like it would kind of trick you a little bit, trip trip you up at least. A little bit, but from Vivek's perspective, it's publicity and OJ's vote counts the same as everybody else's. Well, he can still vote, but he doesn't need publicity, right? Vivek doesn't need any publicity. He's getting a ton of publicity. And kudos, by the way, to to Vivek as a candidate who is constantly going on interviews on MSNBC or CNN, where he knows he's going to get attacked, where he knows he's going to be the victim of smears and just bad faith questions. He did the interview yesterday with, um, what's the old lady's name from MSNBC? I always forget her name, Andrea Mitchell. I always forget her name, and I'm like, oh, no, now I remember. 
like she was asking these bad faith questions, and some of them were just based in lies, and they were leading, and the intent was to sort of trip him up, and he he got into it with her, and I I don't always agree with his answers. I I'm not aligned with him a hundred percent, but he at least does the interviews. And I think he gets extra points amongst Republican voters. I think if Ron DeSantis did that more often, he would get a nice little bump from some of the folks in the base. Because that's the re- Ben Shapiro made this point on, on his show of part of the reason why Ron DeSantis was so loved is during COVID, he was getting attacked by left wing media and he would go into he would just call them out. You're lying. You're wrong here. I'll take you on. He's got to do that now during the regular campaign. 1-800-465-8770. Just in, Charles Manson is a supporter of Chris Christie. Did he put out a video? I made that up. It's a Jason Rancho.